there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected. Other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I'd like to talk to you this morning about Center Mass. Have you seen those shows, the police shows, where they wear these bulletproof vests, you know, and they'll have like FBI or NCIS or, you know, or whatever, or Dallas police or whatever, you know, they get on the vest. And, it, and you look at the vest, you know, and you think, I mean, I don't know whether you think this or not, but I think, you know, that's really not a lot of protection. For, when you think about somebody going into, you know, somebody's got a gun. You know, your, here's your head. Your arms, your, 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 you know, your legs, all this stuff. Guns shoot these little metal things that puncture all of those objects. You know? And those objects, unfortunately, if you happen to be connected with them, squirt blood and break bones and tear tissue. And it's, it's really nasty. Being shot is not a fun thing. I mean, you know, nobody likes to be shot. That's why they have bulletproof vests. But I look at the vest and I go, geez, really, that's really not much protection. What if the guy turns this way and it goes under his arm? That's the end of that. What if it misses the vest and hits him in the neck? Well, that's the end of that. What if the guy shoots him in the head? He doesn't have a vest for that. Well, that's the end of that. Well, what if the guy shoots his arms off? You know, well, that's the end of that. It just doesn't seem like much. And I don't know whether you've ever thought of that or not, but they just look like tiny little things in the face of big dangers. And I wonder about that sometimes because they sure don't cover much. Yet they work. And... They work because of mechanical psychology. Shooters don't aim for small targets automatically. They aim for center mass. It's a weighted mass, and it just attracts the eye in the same way that a weighted mass in a room attracts the eye. The biggest weighted mass in a room will attract your eye first. And there are ways to get you know, your eye attracted to other things, but when somebody's shooting, they will automatically aim for center mass. Do that yourself. If you take your finger and pretend it's a gun and aim at somebody, you'll find that you're aiming right at their center mass. And if you've got that protected, you got a pretty good chance of surviving an attack. That's the idea. That's why the majority of the time, the vests do offer adequate protection. Oh, yeah, there are people who wear bulletproof vests and get killed. But there are a lot more people who wear bulletproof vests and it saves their life. So that's why they wear them. What's this got to do with the work? Well, you know me. I'm always trying to look at something in a different way. I'm always trying to find a way to make this practical, to understand how this really fits in our lives, how this really fits into our psychology, how to make it real for us. So I was hoping you'd ask, but of course I knew you wouldn't. The center you naturally use most is your center mass. That's the place where your personality develops and relates you to external life. There are three centers about which the work talks. Only one of them acts as your center mass. That's the place that we need to be talking about. This is a necessary part of our development and a necessary problem for us that can lead us to further development. So what does that mean? Well, what it means is the way it works is we've got three centers and we develop one of them. That's how it works. But what about the other two? Yeah, what about the other two? How we relate to life is by developing that one center. And that is what I call center mass. So there may be a lot of other things, but it doesn't matter. It's like that weighted mass. You walk into a room, there's this big thing there. You see that. 
and all the other things in the room just kind of pale in comparison. You may notice them, but you don't really see them because it's so much easier just to see that one big thing. And with us, you must have noticed by now that we always take the line of least resistance. You'll notice that in life, pretty much everything takes the line of least resistance. So when a predator hunts an animal, which animal do they go after? The one that offers the least resistance. The slowest, the youngest, the oldest, the sickest, the crippled, whatever it is. And that's the one that it goes after. Why? Because it's easiest to catch that one. It doesn't go after the big one and fail and fail and fail. Why? Because it's hungry and it wants to live. And it knows that if it doesn't eat, it's going to die. So it takes the line of least resistance. It catches what it can catch. We call this adaptability. People who survive are the ones who are adaptable. People who can only eat this and nothing else, they don't exist anymore. Do you know why? Because when that wasn't around, they couldn't eat anything else and they died. So they didn't procreate, they didn't have families, they died. That's how that worked. We call that evolution. We also call it, I think, who is that guy? Darwin called it natural selection. That whole theory is up for grabs anyway at this point, but we don't have to go there. But this is a necessary part of our development, and it creates a problem for us. But this problem can lead us to further development if it's properly applied. Now, men numbers 1, 2, and 3 represent three potential areas for center mass. Man number 1 is the moving instinctive man. So that would be the moving instinctive center. Man number two, the emotional center. We won't be talking much about that because most people imagine that they develop that, but they don't really. And man number three would be the intellectual center. So center mass number three, how that will relate him to life is he will be like a teacher or a scientist, a professor, you know, something like that, some kind of an egghead, some kind of a bookworm, some kind of an intellectual person in life. That's how his personality will develop along that line, along the line of least resistance, along the line of his intellectual capacity. Why? Because that is what's easiest for him, because that's where his center mass is. How did that happen? We don't need to worry about that. Well, how did he get to be that way? We don't need to worry about that. What we're talking about, and this is where you, you, you need to use directed attention, what we're talking about is center mass, not how it got that way, but what it does to us and what we need to do develop further. That's what we're talking about. If you go to the hospital with a broken arm, they may ask you how you broke your arm. But if you are unconscious and they can't ask you how you broke your arm, they will still treat you and set your arm and put it in a cast. Now, it's true that doctors are people, and, and they, if they can get an answer from you, they will. But, you know, you, you don't see vets do that. You know, a vet treats an animal whether it can answer him or not. Well, how did you get this you know, to the horse? And the horse doesn't say anything. Well, I'm not treating you. This is a, a resistant horse. He won't answer me. Well, it's not Mr. Ed, you know. It's like, just fix the horse the best you can. But because people like to interact with other people, they want to know everything. We're curious, and we want to know everything, and blah, 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 blah. It's kind of a problem, but... It's what we do. So we'll next move to center mass for man number one. And he'll develop his personality along a practical side. It'll be in business. He'll be a, a businessman. Or he'll be a sports person, you know, an athlete. Or maybe he'll be uh, physical something, you know, a mechanic who works with his hands or someone who fixes computers. Or he may be a handyman or a construction worker or something like that. Now, see, the, the funny thing is that people who are those things, they don't think they are that. They imagine themselves to be something else. You know, they'll look at... A, all the other construction workers and they'll say, well, I'm different because I'm much more, I have more emotional feeling than they do. Or I'm different because I'm much smarter than they are. But the truth is, is that your center mass is your center mass. And the other truth is, is you really usually don't know what that is. 
that's difficult because if you don't know what it is, how are you going to work on it? You'd be working on something else. It's like if your plumbing's broken and you go fix your electrical. Well, that, you know, maybe your electrical needed to be fixed too, but your plumbing's still broken. And until you find out that your plumbing's broken, you don't have a chance of fixing it. If you think, well, well, that was because, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the water faucet isn't working because I didn't put gas in my car. So you go put gas in your car and you come back and the faucet still doesn't work. It's like that. These are simple examples, and of course they'll fall apart and they seem ridiculous, but I guess when you really start to see yourself, you're going to think a lot the same thing about yourself. You're going to say, you know, this is pretty ridiculous. I can't believe that I believed this for so long. Like Jess's thing about these virtues. <laughs> you know, it's like, how could, I, how could I not see that? It's like, well, we just are asleep and we don't see it. That's it. And that's why the work comes along. And if we're fortunate enough to be able to accept it, to be able to value it, to have magnetic center, to be able to hear it, to be able to value it and let it in, and we're able to go through the very difficult steps of introducing this very, these very difficult ideas into our consciousness, it can do something for us. It can show us things. It can change things for us. It really can. But you've got a lot of hurdles to get over before it does. And it's been a few years that you've been at this, Jess. So it's time, you know, for something to happen. That's good. So eventually, this life personality will lead to being one-sided. What happens is the person just keeps on doing the thing that's easiest, 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 and they just become one-sided. Why should I do that? I'm good at this. This is what I do. Why should I be reading poetry? Why should I be writing poetry? Why should I paint pictures? Why should I learn to play a musical instrument? I remember the resistance that I got when I asked people to, to play a musical instrument. Do you remember that? How many people picked up a musical instrument, played a musical instrument at, at, at my request? Well, like two people maybe. And those two people now play musical instruments that they didn't play before. But everybody thought, well, that's just arbitrary. Why is he doing that? I don't have to do that. I already have, I sing and that's my musical instrument. Or I do this and then I do, I do that and I have other things. I, I don't have to do that. And you're right, you don't have to do that. And that was your chance to do that. And now that chance is gone. And so, you know, yeah, you could pick up a musical instrument now, but you know what? You're nearly 15, 20 years older now. And I can promise you it's not going to be as easy now as it would have been then. Not that it would have been easy then, but it's not going to be as easy now as it would have been then. That's what we do in life. We take the line of least resistance. When an opportunity to develop in another area comes up, we resist it. We don't do it because it's going to take what? Effort. The thing, the big E word we don't like to make, effort. We'll make all the effort in the world to get something that we think we want, like that cheeseburger and french fries, you know, or what is it with you? It's a grilled cheese sandwich, grilled cheese sandwich and french fries, and, or, or Belgian waffles with all the goo, or yummy, <laughs> yummy, yummy food that's just wonderful, or whatever. Or, you know, for you, I guess it's just sugar of any kind, right? Being a diabetic, just give me sugar. I don't care what it is. No, you're not going to cop to that one. Eh, that's fine. I don't blame you. You don't have to look at yourself. You do not have to look at yourself. This is the problem with us. We don't have to do this. This is not required by life. You do not have to observe yourself. You do not have to admit any of these things to yourself. You do not have to believe one idea that the work teaches about you. Not one. You can die just fine without any of that. You don't need it. And the proof of that is there are millions of people marching to the grave at this very instant, and they're already dead. They're all ready dead they are walking dead and you've got a fly in your ear you're walking along with them and you've got a fly in your ear <laughs> and every once in a while you reach up and swat because it's bothering you and just maybe you wake up long enough to say oh my god where am, I, where am i going all these people are going over the cliff why should i be going there too and maybe you turn away for a while 
But then you find yourself back in the stream of the walking dead. And you hear this, anyway, <laughs> I feel like I'm not in bad company. It was Socrates who called himself a gadfly. So I realize that I'm annoying. All right. So what I'm saying is that eventually this life personality is going to lead us to be one-sided. And that means that we'll be developing the easiest center with which to meet life. Whatever we have the most facility with, that is what we'll do. And all of life will help you do that. They'll test you in school and they'll tell you, this is what you should do. But I don't want to do that. Well, but this is what you should do because this is the thing that's easiest and best for you. And they'll try and push you into that. And they'll try and discourage you from doing anything else. We talked about this last week. A kid who has a gift for painting or something. And immediately he'll have all of this, no, you can't do that. That's nonsense. You'll end up flipping burgers. You remember? It's like that. Life will try to push you along the line of least resistance because life has a different purpose for you. It doesn't want to see you develop. It just wants to eat you. <laughs> That's all. It doesn't care how developed you are. You're, you're going to taste the same. Maybe, maybe a little worse. You know, maybe it'll be a little tougher to digest if you develop more. I don't know. Maybe you'll get stringy. <laughs> you know, I don't know how it works for life. But life wants to eat you. Life has a different purpose for you. The work wants to rescue you from that. The work wants to lead you out of that. But it's like, but that's too hard. I, what's, the, what, what's too hard? We all die anyway. What's, what's the point? You're starting to get what I'm talking about here? I hope so. This first education is necessary, but it's incomplete. So, that we, so we have this. We, we have all life pushing us to, to develop this one center. And it is necessary, but it is also incomplete. Eventually, if the person has magnetic center, he's going to start to feel hollow, unfulfilled, lacking, no matter how successful he may be externally. Yeah, things can all line up. They can be wonderful. But there's going to be this hollow feeling that something's missing, unsatisfying, that life isn't really all that it should be or could be. That's where the second education of esotericism comes in. It's all about developing the relatively unused centers to bring us into a more balanced state, making further development possible. What does that mean, making further development possible? Those are just words. What it means is being more well-rounded being able to operate in different areas instead of just one area, being able to have two centers of mass or even three centers of mass. That's almost unheard of. Yes, but it doesn't mean it's not possible. Well, but no one does it. It doesn't mean it's not possible. But there's hardly anyone who's done it. It doesn't mean it's not possible. It doesn't change the fact that it's true, and it doesn't change the fact that it needs to be done by you if you wish to develop. It's not that the first education is wrong. It's necessary. If man is without magnetic center, it's fine. He'll be fine. If the guy doesn't have magnetic center, he just develops along life's lines, then he's fine. He's just going to, he'll go right down the chute, and that'll be the end of him. And he'll probably live a life and do all the things he does and have kids and, you know, be a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief or whatever. And he may be very good at it. He may be president of the United States, you know. He may be the prime minister of some great country or something. Who knows? He may end up being a great dictator who kills millions of people. He may turn out to be some tyrant who makes a name for himself and and people talk about for generations to come, like Genghis Khan or, you know, or or Caesar, or whoever, you know, or Stalin, or Hitler, or whomever, Pol Pot. He may end up being like that. And for a lot of people, that's fine. That's just great. Then, then we'll have that. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Without magnetic center, that's all the meaning you need in life. The undeveloped emotional center gives little meaning. It just doesn't give much meaning. And that's why I say that you're not going to find people in center mass in number two, because the emotional center is painfully, woefully underdeveloped in us. In all of us, look at the whole planet, it's that way. 
Now, because the personality <laughs> developed according to center mass, it's an acquired function of life. It's what we acquired by interacting with life. By being in life, we acquired this center mass. Life really developed us. It's not like we developed us in any way. Life developed us. And that's why this center mass thing is so mechanical, because life developed it. We didn't develop it. There was no consciousness involved in it. We took the line of least resistance. We acted just like animals. We went after the one thing that was easiest to get. But it wasn't easy to get. We, we liked this one. Well, but it wasn't easy to get. I worked so hard. I worked harder than anybody else. Do you know how hard I studied to be an RN? No, but I'll bet if I give you enough time, you'll tell me. And I'll bet you really studied better than anybody else. And I'll bet you're a really good studier. And I'll bet that's a virtue. And that's fine. You can have that virtue for as long as you want it. It's okay with me. I don't want to take anything away from you. I only want to give you an opportunity to give things up. I don't want to take anything away from you. See, I don't want to take your sugar away from you. I don't want to take your yummy food away from you. I don't want to take your virtues away from you. I don't want to take your grilled cheese sandwiches and french fries away from you. I don't want to take your Belgian waffles and goo away from you. I don't want to take anything away from you. I want you to understand what you are, what your potential is, and I want you to choose. That's what I want. I believe that if you have magnetic center, you will choose something higher. You will choose to further your second education. You will choose to develop in ways that will cause you suffering. Yes, you'll suffer. but be useful, necessary suffering, and you will develop. That's what I think you'll do, and so that's why I do what I do. Now, because the personality developed according to center mass, because that development is an acquired function of our relationship to life, it's eventually going to mislead us not giving us enough force and meaning for our life. That's why people end up at a certain age, what, what do they call it, uh, midlife crisis. They get to a certain age, they're successful, they have this, they have that, and all of a sudden it's like, uh, wait, something's missing. And so what do they do? Well, if they don't have magnetic center, they go right back out there and they try and find it somewhere. You know, so what does that mean? Buy a red sports car, date a girl half your age, whatever. That's what it means. It means you have to do something to fill that need. Or if you've got magnetic center, then you've got to do something else to fill that need. And you may well do that. Because our real eye is eternal, we yearn for eternal meaning. There's something inside of us that just wants eternal meaning. It doesn't want this transitory life meaning that is here today, gone tomorrow. It wants something more. To get it, we must bring the other two centers up to speed to make us more complete instead of being so one-sided, so center-weighted, as it were. Regardless what your center mass may be, one, two, or three, after a time, you may find it becomes meaningless to you. You may find that it's just kind of like lost its taste. It's lost its pizzazz. It's lost its everything. It's just lost its glamour. It's lost its meaning. It's just you've run out of meaning. Do you understand what it means to run out of meaning? You just don't have any more meaning. It's like this meaningless now. It's not what it was. It's this stale state is from going too far away from the balanced development of yourself. And how you got away from it was by following this center mass, by allowing this line of least resistance to happen. Now, center mass is in the intellect. You may have to learn to eat, drink, party, though it is repugnant to your center mass. So what does that mean? It means you have to learn to be more flexible. For example, when I was in Watford, United Kingdom, 
course, everybody knows I don't drink and I don't eat meat and, you know, all the things I don't do. I'm like a monk. You know, I don't go out, do this and do that. Of course, I don't go to the United Kingdom either and work with people who I, who I don't know. You know, it's like I don't do any of those things. None of these things are things that I do. But sometimes the work calls on you to do things that you wouldn't do. They're repugnant to you. I don't want to do that. But sure enough, I ended up eating fish and chips. Oh, you, you don't eat meat. That's one of the people said to me, you don't eat meat. And I said, yeah, I know. But you're eating fish. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. And then uh, one day I, I was in a pub and I said, well, somebody bought me a beer and I drank a beer. Then one of the people said to me, you don't drink. And I said, yeah, I know. And uh, here I was drinking this, you know, and it's like, that's true. I don't do those things. That's true. My center mass does not do those things. But in order to develop, sometimes you have to do things that are repugnant to you. So, of course, people are going to use this as an excuse to do what they damn well please. Of course they are. And you know what? I don't care. Go ahead. Use it as an excuse. Do whatever you like. It's your life. And if you want to use justifications for doing what you don't need to be doing, then you're going to do that anyway. If you don't get it from me, you're going to get it somewhere else. So I'm not taking responsibility for that. And I'm not going to make my life about not doing, not saying, not being, so that you don't make a mistake. You know, look, go ahead and make all the mistakes you want. That's how people learn. They make mistakes. Incidentally, I don't drink and I don't eat meat. And I'm glad that's over with. You know, it was, you know, it wasn't a terrible thing, but it, it went against my center mass. It went against that. So I, I went against that. And I, did I get anything out of it? Yes, I did. Maybe you'll move away from the intellectual way of meeting life and take up a musical instrument with emotional passion that begins development of another center. In other words, maybe you'll hear a violin and it will touch you so deeply emotionally that you'll want to learn to play it that you will want to somehow tune into that part of yourself, and you'll do it. You'll never become a great violinist, but it doesn't matter because that's not the point. The point is that you are doing something to develop something other than your center mass. That is the point. First, try to see what the center mass of your personality is, that with which you meet life. Is it one, two, or three? Is it the moving instinctive? Is it the emotional? Is it the intellectual? After realizing this, you'll see the course your second education must take. Maybe even begin by developing the next closest center. I don't know what the next closest center is to your center mass. The work will direct you if you're willing to be directed. This will serve to gradually make personality passive in the right way. You see, what we do is we go in with a sledgehammer and a crowbar and a sawzall to start making personality passive. And what we do is more damage than we do good because we don't know what we're doing and this is why the work directs us the work directs us because we don't know how to do it because this has to come from outside of our system this has to come from people who can see it see the overview this has to come from people who understand how this machine works not people who are in it but people who are on the other side of it just like the example that Gurdjieff used about escaping from prison you need outside help to get out of prison. This is repugnant to a lot of people. They don't want outside help. They want to do it themselves. Pride and vanity, self-love. That's all it is. Those two things blind us and then keep us imprisoned. They direct us wherever they want us to go. And that is never out of prison because in prison they can farm us. They can use us. Now, I can tell you this. As you gradually make personality passive in the right way, which sounds great, doesn't it? It's like, yes, I want to make personality passive. Don't you want to make your false personality passive? Absolutely. It can really be frightening, though. You get to a certain point, and it's like, but but everything that I thought was real is now not. What it, Everything's changing. I don't know where to stand. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's right. At this point, many people turn back. 
The work begins to call us away from this island of our habitual selves. I want you to think of it in this way. If we wish to reach a new shore, we can't stay where we are. Let's say you're on an island. Let's say it's a beautiful island in the South Pacific. Great island. Has everything, almost. But let's say that you get tired of eating coconuts. Let's get, say you get tired of all this wonderful sunshine and great weather and all this beautiful view and blah, 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 whatever. Let's say it just starts to lose its meaning for you. Let's say it starts to become stale. Let's say you've got magnetic center and you feel the, the urge to move. We've got to take the risk of shoving off from that island, sometimes on a little more than a flimsy raft. You remember Contiki, that whole thing that these people, you know, this whole idea that people build a raft to see if they could actually go from one place to another, that maybe that's how people did it? There was a whole story about it, how someone actually tested the theory out to see if people could really go from one place to another and, and populate the world. And they found, yes, they could. Their theory worked. It was true. They could do it. But they had to set out on this flimsy raft. This is when we must face what can go with us on that vessel and what must be discarded of our experience of life. This is where the rubber meets the road. Oops, wrong analogy there. This is where the paddle meets the water. This is where the rudder meets the water. That's it. That's not the rubber meets the road. This is where the rudder meets the water. This is what we have to determine. Once you have decided that you're going to shove off, which is a huge decision. I'm going to leave this island of my secure self, this home of me, this person that I know, this person that I've trusted, and I'm going to shove off and try and become something that I do not know. I'm going to try and somehow develop into something that I do not know what it is. But I believe that there is something waiting for me. And I believe that if, if I can discard what I don't need and only bring along on this journey what I do need, I believe that I can make it. I have that hope and I have this map that we'll call the work. So I'm going to try it. This is a hugely brave thing to do when you think about it. Nearly everything to do with false personality. We're talking about things that are going to be discarded to put on the raft. So you can't take everything on the island on the raft. You, you realize that. You can only take so much. You can't take, you're not going to tow the island with you. So that, you have to shove off from that shore. There's no way to stay on that shore and get to the next shore. You can't do that. So something has to be left on that island. What we fear the most is that nearly everything to do with false personality will be eliminated as useless on this journey. What you thought was right, you gradually find is pure, useless fiction. You may find, when you go far enough in this work, that all the virtues with which you identify yourself are worthless on this journey. They're great on the island! It's like when I was traveling. Here I was in this country, and they had this money. So like the first country I get to, it's like they have this money. You go and you take your money and you change it for this money. And they take a little of your money to give you some of their money. So they take a little, skim a little right off the top, you know, like 20%. <laughs> okay, so you, you have a dollar and you want a dollar's worth of their money. Well, here's 80 cents worth of their money. I'm keeping the 20 cents of your money for this service. Okay, well, thanks a lot. So it's like that. And then you go to the next country and they don't want that money and they don't want your money. They want some other kind of money. So you take the money that you have and you change that. And then there's like, shoo, they skim off another 20% or whatever. And then you go to the next country. Sure enough, they don't care at all about that money. They want their own kind of money that nobody else has, just their money. So you discard all the money that you had in the last country, all the money that you had in the country before that, all the money that you had in the country before that. You change it all for this money. And they go, shoo, and take their 20% off. And so you here you've lost, you know, all this money just in this changing thing. And somebody else has made it. And so here you are now, 
Now you've got to go back. So you get to this country and you've got to change back. You get to this country, you've got to change back. You get to this country and you've got to change back. So that's what we're looking at. We're looking at this, all of this stuff that's got to go because what was good on the island is not going to be good where you're going. It's not good on the raft. It was great on the island. It's not, it's not good on the raft. This is very difficult for us. We find that things got to go. We usually cling to something we ascribe to ourselves. That's how it works. Our suffering for justice. I suffered so much for the right reason. I've suffered for righteousness' sake because I wanted justice and because I stood up for it, because I stood against the things that were wrong and because I fought the law and the law won, you know, or whatever. So we've got that. That's our virtue. Or our effectiveness in life. Well, I'm successful. I'm a businessman. I do this and I do that and I can do this and I can do that. And I've done all these things. So we cling to that. Our goodness manifested in some harmless way. That's what we cling to. Well, I'm a good person and I've done all these good things and I've volunteered and I've done this and I've done that. Therefore, I can take that on the raft. But you see, that doesn't work on the raft. It's not going to make the journey. It's not necessary where we're going. All of those things have to be discarded because they are things that have to do with false personality. And on this journey, they become useless because false personality must be left behind. It is the island we're leaving behind. What do these things really represent and why must they go? They give us a wrong feeling of I. That's the bottom line. You think this island is your home, but it's not. You think this island of yourself is your home, but it is not. But it's comfortable, but I've always called it my home, but it's not your home. It gives you a wrong feeling of yourself upon which your false personality has been built. House that you build on that island can't go with you. You can't get it on the raft. It's not going with you. With that wrong feeling of I in place, we can't feel the vibrations of real I coming through the center mass of false personality. See, as long as we've got all that wrong feeling of I, it's masking the subtle influences coming from real I, the still small voice that is trying to lead you away from that and into something better, into something higher, into this transformational process that will actually end up transforming you into a higher order of being. And I realize for a lot of people this is hogwash. Fine, then don't listen. That's my answer. This work is not for everybody. Self-development is not for everybody. Transformation is not for everybody. There's some people who are brute beast. They're prepared for destruction. They will be destroyed. That's the way that is. They don't have magnetic center. If they do have it, they're never going to get in touch with it. And you just have to accept that as a fact of life. You have to accept, just like I said last week, this opposing force destroys a lot. Many things in life must die. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it is. So... The best thing to do is understand it and accept it. Understand it in the best way you can and accept it. We must see our values acquired through the center mass are not the values of the work. Only then can we exchange life as neutralizing force, which will not change us, for esoteric ideas as the neutralizing force. And those esoteric ideas and that neutralizing force will bring us the change of mind that frees us from our one-sidedness, from our center mass. Try to see in the light of this work where you are lacking in connection with the three centers. This is what I'd like you to do. I want you to try and see in the light of this work, not in the light of what a wonderful person you are, not in the light of your virtues, not in the light of what other people have told you, not in the light of what your mommy told you, your daddy told you, or what the test that you took in school told you, the aptitude test and all those things. Not in the light of that, but in the light of this work. Try to see where you are lacking with the three centers. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, 
I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.